0: Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Aubriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 412. And yes, if you are a loyal fan and follower, we did not have a podcast last week. We were at Retail Loco in Seattle and it just got crazy and um, yeah. So sorry about that. Um, but we're here, we're back and ready to give you a good show. So we got three industry news stories, three member news stories, and we'll give you a bit of a recap in the middle around what happened at retail Loco. So, uh,
1: Brianna, yeah, the- I mean, yeah. Retail Loco just got a little loco. It was good though. Um, and you should have been there, honestly, like if yeah. you weren't there, then, then um, shame on you. <laughs> exactly. Go ahead and start go ahead and start planning because we did uh we'll talk about it later i'm sure but we did announce our upcoming atlanta retail loco dates so stay tuned on that but yeah atlanta is atlanta's good i got it you know what i have to do with Seif though i have to give a shout out to my mom so uh while i was at retail loco my mom sends me a text message and said i just watched your podcast why are you wearing headphones and asif is not wearing headphones and i said well that's the mic i use She's like, you just don't sound as good as he does. You know what my mom did as awesome as she is? She went and just like drop shipped me a a brand new Yeti mic. So now you can see my accessories. You can see more of my face.
0: You got one of these now.
1: Yeah, mine's blue though.
0: Yeah, so there you go. Um,
1: Thanks mom, you're the best.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good moms, good moms.
1: I know, and Mother's Day is right around the corner and she's sending me a gift. Look at that.
0: There you go. Yeah. What are you sending her though?
1: That's oh, it. I got a whole host of uh, goodies.
0: No, don't um, don't spill the beans here because she. I know because she listen. could
1: actually listen right now. I can't.
0: <laughs> she's gonna be checking on your on your sound quality this week.
1: It is not a Yeti mic. I'll tell you that.
0: So there you go. <laughs> All right. Okay, so why don't we uh, let's jump into it, right? um, uh, and I'll let you kick it off as usual with a uh, an interesting investment story.
1: Yeah. So, you know, what's really interesting, I didn't know this, but did you know that shoppers in stores return five to 10% of what they buy, but online shoppers actually return 15 to 40% of online uh, shopping purchases? That is a huge difference. And I did not know that stat, but it was really interesting. Um, And so PayPal has invested in this, well, PayPal Ventures has invested in this company called um, Happy Returns. So pretty simple, you know, branding and name that they've come up with, um, to tell what they do. So they kind of make their very customer focused and they make the pain, you know, in the butt of returning something online that you bought really simple. So they have a set of brands that they work with that don't have physical locations. Um, and so they also provide like a cost savings and a more efficiency kind of a manner in terms of returns for these, these brands. Um, so, they have about 350 what they're calling return barns and these are all over in places on college campuses and um, world market or cost plus depending on what you call it. Um, some of the brands that they work with include Untucket, um, Ev- uh, Aloki, uh, and there's a few more that they mentioned. Um, but PayPal has obviously invested in this, they're, they've invested 11 million um, and then they also had. Other uh, other participants, which were U.S. venture partners and upfront ventures. So it came to a grand total of $25 million that was invested. Um, you know, I think it makes sense for PayPal to invest in this. Obviously, you've got the transaction part of it, and then you have the return part of it. So, um, you know, I think they're trying to figure out, like, what other touch points are there in the transactions world, and returns is a huge part of that. Um, and I think that this concept makes sense, and I just... You know, sometimes like when you're thinking of an idea of what is, what is there a need for? Like, what do I see a need Mm -hmm. for? And I think that everyone has probably complained about how if you're doing like shopping for shoes or clothes or items that are easily, um, often things that you have to return because they don't fit well or, you know, whatever reason it may be, um, you know, that's kind of where the pain point was. And obviously they've seen that and 350 locations is amazing. So um i think this is really really cool and i'm sure we can expect to hear more about happy returns in the future about what they're going to be doing you know maybe it's going to be pickups or deliveries who knows
0: yeah i I mean so i like that paypal is the lead investor on this on this deal i think this is a logical play for them Uh, i would expect others ebay and and other types of companies to You know to go down a road like this Um, for me what's interesting number one is you know the numbers you know i wasn't overly shocked when you said 15 to 40 percent of online purchases get returned because people buy a lot of stuff and you know they buy multiple sizes or multiple colors or whatever um and you know try try it on and send a bunch back or whatever the case might be now for me what's interesting is is like i know that even in bricks and mortar shopping like you know like we will go you know somewhere and buy a bunch of things for the kids or for us or for whatever Um, and because you're in a rush don't take the time to try it on in the store either and so you buy multiple you know sizes of the things and then you end up with returns to do in the physical sense uh, even and so I wonder if you could take like a happy returns location and have it not just be for online purchase returns, but for even for offline purchase returns, just to speed up that process. When you go into back into the store, and you bought stuff in the store, uh, you still have to go to that customer service counter and line up and go through that whole thing, right? Um, in a lot of cases, and I think if there's a, a more efficient way to do it with you know these types of return locations, um, I think you know you should sort of make it you know, not limited to only online purchases, but have it be offline, online from, from these brands, whatever those brands might be, um, that you can, you can kind of return it all in the same place. So,
1: yeah, I love that idea. I think that's super smart. Streamline, streamline the process. I feel like I'm the opposite way. I, I certainly buy a lot online, but I will, I hate the hassle of having to like box it back up and take it to UPS or wherever Mm -hmm. I have to drop it off. So I just end up Re gifting or <laughs> saving it or dealing with stuff that I didn't really want. I'm like, I'm like, uh, I'm no, mom, that's not what you're getting for Mother's Day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and to your mom, that's not what she's getting for Mother's Day is regifted. But,
1: uh, Definitely not regifted. Nope, it's all new.
0: It's all new. All right. <laughs> okay, uh, on to our uh, second story. uh So the state of Maine um is doing some interesting things with location data. Um, They are looking to take location data that's gathered from GPS, from cell phone uh, signals, uh, through a company that they've uh, licensed this data from, a company called Streetlight Data, um, on a year-long subscription program. They're paying $371,400 for access to this data uh, for for a year, and they're going to run a bunch of projects around trying to optimize transportation in particular. Um, so essentially what what these guys do is they collect data in a um, non um, you know, sort of in an anonymous framework, non uh, you know sort of uh, not, not focused on tying it back to individuals, but looking at aggregates and audience segments and things like that. Um, and um, it's all voluntary through location-based apps, through you know c- cellular and GPS signals. Um, and it's all oriented around. Uh, improving traffic flow, congestion, uh, looking at where people start and stop in terms of getting on and off of highways and roads, uh, improving pedestrian and cyclist uh, uh, movement and things like that. So, you know, I'm a big fan of these things. I think, you know, here in Toronto, for example, we have uh, the city of Toronto has a partnership with Waze uh, and they're, you know, combining real-time traffic data and camera data and other things that they have um, you know, and obviously, anytime you have this kind of thing, especially at a government city level, uh, there's going to be those who, you know, aren't, aren't fans of it, are going to be worried about privacy. And they should be. Uh, but I think it's important to understand what people are collecting, how they're collecting it and what, you know, and, and what they're doing with it. And I think Streetlight's been very transparent about that um, in uh, in positioning, you know, how they go about this. You know, and, and as we'll talk about in, in our Retail Local Recap, I think, you know, where we're going as an organization is is increasingly into these types of use cases as well. So I'm excited to see governments and, and government agencies kind of embrace this type of data. And, um, yeah, we'll see how it goes.
1: Yeah, um, I think the main slogan is like the way life should be. So maybe this is the way that planning and city planning should be um so i like this i mean i love hearing about uh, cities and states and governments getting um, smarter with the way that things are currently operating uh, consumer behavior all of those things need to be addressed in probably every country and every city some do a much better job um, than than we do here Um, and some far worse of course as well but i just think that this is um, you know the data is readily available so whenever you have Folks that are in government, kind of getting involved, and and I guess uh, you know grabbing a hold of the data that's available, and saying like, how can we use this to directly um, you know contribute to bettering our environments that we have here as a state? I think that's great. So
0: Yeah, I, I remember. Sorry, just one little thing I just popped in <laughs> my head. So I remember this this test project some years ago that we were uh, involved in uh, in Boston. Um, called uh, Bump, and it was a, an app that uh, was created and people could install it on their phones as they were driving around. Uh, and what would happen is it, it would use the sensors in the in the smartphone device to measure just small changes in, in uh, amplitude. And so every time the car basically hit a pothole in the road, uh, it would pick up that little up and down movement of the vehicle um, and kind of track that. And then what they were doing is is they were feeding that data automatically through the city's you know open data uh, systems uh, in, in, into the city systems. And then what would happen is, is as they saw enough of that data come in from a certain road or street, um, they would you know have the data to justify automatically just going out and sending out a crew to fill that pothole up uh, rather than waiting for people to call in and report and all of that so it's it is about efficiencies and I think this is a good uh, you know good uh, uh, a good project so uh,
1: excited to see where it goes well um, in my opinion let's go from efficiency to inefficiency Okay. <laughs> Alright, so Puma, who I, I adore the brand Puma. I think they do some really great uh, collaborations. I really like their style. I like their shoes. Um, well, they have now launched um, the world's first, what they're deeming the world's first AR shoes. So this shoe has like all these different 2D style QR codes that are just covering the entire shoe. Um, That's kind of like the print that's on it and it looks like a traditional QR code um, if you're familiar with the way that that looks. Um, So now with the Puma app, you can just see different things happen to your Puma shoes such as you can see them catch on fire um, they could explode into a deconstructed virtual mode of the shoe. They could be thrown into an AR endless runner game. All of these sound just kind of like pretty like horrific kind of things. Um, but <laughs> anyways, uh <laughs> It's not like hey my shoes are like catching a pot of gold it's like your shoes are on fire you're running forever i don't know this all sounds pretty negative to me um so it's available on ios right now but they said android is coming next so when i first saw like the title of this story i thought why like no and then after i read it i said why no this is just kind of a waste in my opinion i don't think that one my thought was why do they need qr codes um i think qr codes have made a return and I think that they play a role in certain and specific situations but they could use image recognition right like Mm -hmm. it is a shoe it is their shoe they could use image recognition within an app there's no need for anybody to be wearing some type of a tag I think that's weird they could also do something where they worked in something location based where if you were in specific sporting venues or athletic venues or anything that could be deemed you know, something then maybe you could unlock a special feature of the shoe or an AR experience. However, they chose to just be able to scan these QR codes and make this shoe be on fire. Um, the only pro that I could really come up with in my personal opinion on this story is that they likely are creating some interesting content that's shareable like via social media. So you capture your screen of the app showing your shoe on fire and then you're sharing it with your friends. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of at a loss for this one. I feel like this is just a waste of good tech of an amazing brand. Um, I mean, you know, a brand that collaborates with like Rihanna Fenty and stuff, you know, you're like, what are you, where, where is this going? There's so many other cool things that you could have done. So anyways, that's my take on it, but that's what Puma has done. So if you were dying to see your shoes catch on fire, Go get the app and get your pair of shoes with QR codes. You're ready to rock.
0: Yeah, well, I don't have a lot of good things to say about this either. Um, I mean, I wish some of the, the my Toronto Raptors shoes were catching on fire last night so that they could could have won that game. But um, anyhow, um, the um, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I mean, number one, I think how many people are going to go out and buy a shoe that the whole shoe is covered in QR codes? Number one. Uh, like, I, I think that's tacky. I, I don't see that to begin with. Um, so yes, I, it's a limited edition thing, I, but I think it's a very limited market, uh, of people who are going to go and engage with this. I think it, you know, for the five people who go and buy this thing, you know, cause I'm sure they're just going to have to give it away uh, to people to generate some social media around it. Um, yeah, I mean, okay. Maybe there's some social sharing, maybe there's some interesting content as you said. Um, but you know, I got, honestly, I don't have time to sit there and, you know, watch my shoe catch on fire on AR. I just don't, I have so many other things to do, uh, or play, you know, 3d model games or whatever it is that they've got, you know organizing this thing like I think it's to me it's it's a it's a waste of time uh, honestly uh, I agree the tech is great we've seen lots of great applications of this type of tech um, I love Puma as a brand uh, but I, I'm not I'm gonna go out and buy a pair of QR covered shoes and with a with my with the intention being to scan them to create some kind of you know, uh augmented reality images and whatever like yeah and 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 number one they call this the world's first augmented reality shoes well are they i don't know i mean i remember gold run we did a project with them like back in 2012 or 13 somewhere around there where you could buy shoes in ar in like new york like Times square or whatever like you know hold up your phone there's a pair of shoes sitting there in Times square and you can like you could you could buy it like that was cool Um, like selling stuff commerce in AR is interesting Um, but this I don't know so anyhow well there you go there you go so that's our three industry news stories for this week Uh, think about how you want to use technology because there's a lot of good technology out there um, and there's a lot of good ways to use it Um, I guess that's the, the summary of that section all right, on to uh, our recap. Now, as I said, we didn't have a show last week uh, because we were at Retail Loco and there was just a lot going on. And, um, but uh, it was a good conference, we had a good turnout. And uh, maybe I'll let you start off with your kind of initial thoughts, Brianna, of what you got out of it and, and then I'll go.
1: Yeah, so I was trying to figure out um, how many Retail Locos I've been to, but I feel like it's maybe my 10th or so and I was at Seattle So um, this year. I felt like this was some of the strongest and most enjoyable uh content um that I have seen come out of Retail Loco so I was super encouraged by that. Um we had a really full house which was really nice as well. Um and one of the things that I think I really love about Retail Loco is it's not the type of show that's so big that you don't get to interact with other people. Yeah. Um but it's not also not so small where it's not senior, right? So you've got just some really big decision makers um, some great people with different, just a variety of perspectives. And I felt like that held true for sure this year as well. Um, so I had the pleasure of moderating two different, uh, two different sessions. And we talked, um, first day we got to kick it off with talking about starting your day in location. And I had Pandora music as well as AccuWeather. Um, and then we had a local doctor from, um, uh, University of Washington took Yeah. So he was there and it was really just great, a great mashup to hear about like weather and music and then obviously like the data and everything that's behind that, the AI and the machine learning and kind of where things are going. Um, but we had a really interesting conversation there. So that was a lot of fun. Um, and then talking more on the loyalty side the next day and engagement and how are, you know, using that to drive people back. So we had, um, was it shop savers or, uh, Uh,
0: value village. Um, yeah, saver
1: savers value village. Yeah. Savers Value Village was there and they have like over 300 thrift stores and just kind of how they're taking something that's been sort of an older model and transitioning that into a newer model and trying to, you know, connect with their consumers Um, and adding in a little bit of elements of location was really interesting as well. And we had obviously input from Bliss and then input from Miles, which is kind of like a loyalty based program that we've talked about on the show before, you know, rewarding you for all different methods of transportation. Um, so it was just really interesting to have those different perspectives and loyalty and, you know, just the, the overall, I guess, opportunity in that market. Um, my final thought, and I don't want to take this away from you, but my high, I think of the entire show was Samaritan. Mm -hmm. So I've been sharing that with everybody since I came back. And, um, I think we got the okay that yes, they're going to be in Atlanta for retail local again. So you guys, this alone is like totally worth coming out and listening to um all the feel goods like all the the technology and everything um And we got to see like one of the people that they were really working with. So the, the premise of Samaritan, as we had talked about before, obviously, is they've handed out these Bluetooth beacons to homeless people who want to be involved in the program. They wear these beacons. And whenever somebody with the Samaritan app is in a nearby proximity, they can get an alert where they can read the story about, about this person, you know, why they're on the streets, what they're trying to do, what they need. Um, And then they can also donate to them. And with this Bluetooth beacon that gimbal has provided, they can go into certain stores and exchange it for goods and, and food and different things like that. Um, And every 30 days, you know, this, this beacon will run out of batteries and they'll take it in and they'll have to have kind of like a, a a counseling session, like, Hey, how are you doing as a person and just checking Mm -hmm. in. Um, And, you know, we got to hear from Raven, who is one of the, um, you know, receivers of this beacon and he got to share his story and it was just so amazing Um, and I just, you know, felt like I had chills the whole time that they were speaking and I loved hearing how they're using technology for good. So that was my high, um, of the entire conference. So, sorry, that was a long winded.
0: Yeah, no, it's (laughs) good. Um, so yeah, for, for me, that was probably the best part of the, of the whole show as well. Um, you know, it's anytime you can find ways to take technology and do really amazing things with it and give back. Um, I think that's key and gimbal. You know, kind of did that in in spades uh, with with this project, and yeah, and I think hearing from Raven, who's one of the they call him a beacon holder, uh, which is a homeless person um, that has has the technology. Um, you know, he just you know he just spoke truth, right? Like he just you know, here's my life, here's here's what I struggle with, and here's what other people struggle with, and um, you know, I've got my issues, and you know, and, and it and it was good, and it was really really good. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I downloaded, a bunch of us downloaded the app right there. You could, you could kind of pull it up and, and you could, because you were, we were in proximity to him with his beacon, it came up right away. There he is. And here's what he's into. And he likes music and he likes cooking and, he, you know, whatever. Um, you know, you can see that whole profile and, and, and the life story. And, and I think it's powerful. And, uh, yeah, we will we will have them out at the Atlanta conference in October uh, as well. Um, so you, you'll have another chance to hear that story. Uh, and we're you know we're we're in talks right now. Um, you know, just early early days to see how we can help support Samaritan and bring this to other cities besides Seattle, which is the only pilot city right now. Yeah. Uh, as well, so I'd love to have it up here in Toronto. And uh, I know they were talking to uh, to Jeanette uh, about bringing this to Minneapolis and and you know other places as well. So excited about that. In addition to that, I would say for me, you know, I had a few panels that that uh, I moderated as well uh, on the second day. Uh, we had the sports uh, panel, so we had uh, Tanner from uh, who's representing the Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs, and the Kansas City Royals, as well as. Uh, Uh, Nathan, who's with the Seattle Mariners uh, and the marketing uh, team over there. Um, You know, a good discussion about, in general, kind of how the mashup between how they use location and proximity data and content creation, both stuff that they're doing uh, at a team level, at a league level, uh, and then user-generated stuff, and, and how they're going out into places and, you know, on location and creating content and then driving that back and how they identify where fans are. Uh, in different locations besides kind of just you know even the home city you know in, in other cities as well from a merchandising perspective and in perspective so that was interesting um, you know I also had a, a panel um, about driving traffic uh, and online and offline uh, which is an ongoing uh, topic within our community and you know we, we were uh, talking to Gimbal and Starbucks and And Mall of America about that and uh, so that was that was a really great discussion as well and then the other thing I really liked was Terry Lynn's presentation. Uh, Terry from Outer who we've covered on this show uh, who's completely reinventing outdoor furniture and that whole business and um, you know kind of disrupting the industry in the way same way that Casper you know and some of these guys have disrupted mattresses and Everything else these guys are changing the game for for outdoor furniture, so uh you may see him uh, back in Atlanta as well in a in a different in a different framework but uh yeah, so um, you know get your tickets now i guess for for October or, or at least put it on the calendar so um yeah, so the uh, October event will be on the October 21st and 22nd this year in Atlanta at the Atlanta Tech Village, which is where we were last year. So excited about that. And uh, so save the dates and, and block it in. And uh, we'll obviously have more to announce about other speakers and things in the, uh, in the weeks and months to come. So, yeah. All right, on to our member news section now. And uh, our first story this week is about our friends at Amazon. And, uh, you know, they've been busy and, uh, they've got, uh, they've announced what they're calling in garage delivery. And so we've all, we we all order stuff for Amazon. We're all, you know, busy at work or, you know, school or whatever it is that we do. And the package gets delivered and it's put on your doorstep and you're like, uh, you know, I wish I was home so I could kind of pull that inside and make sure no one's going to steal it or all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and so uh, they've got come up with a solution. It's now available in 50 cities um, and it's for customers who have a MyQ smart garage door opener uh, which works with your smartphone. And basically uh, you can give the couriers who are making the Amazon deliveries access to your garage through your smartphone and they place the packages inside your garage. Uh, and then once the doors closed, they basically then move on to their next delivery. So it's pretty simple. Um, you know, we've talked about this type of technology enabled delivery before, um, you know, with other, uh, we, we were involved in a project some years ago in, uh, in Sweden with, uh, Amazon and Volvo, uh, where they authorized, uh, a geolocation of where your vehicle was parked. Uh, say at work in the parking lot, and then you could open up the trunk um, through remote access, and then let the delivery person put it in your trunk. It didn't give you access to the rest of the car, um, and things like that. So um, yeah, I think we're you know more and more people are concerned about the safety uh, of their packages, um, security of them, um, and technologies enabling ways to to kind of make that more efficient and 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 you know, build more trust into the system. Also, if you happen to have an Amazon cloud cam in your uh, in garage kit, you can even watch uh, this delivery through your uh, remote camera as well. So there you go.
1: Yeah, I think this is, um, I mean, I feel like we've talked about like everything going this direction and being able to do that. Um, potentially even through you know the front door or whatever you as a consumer would feel comfortable with. Um, I think that this is smart. Obviously, some areas more than others, you need to make sure that your deliveries are going inside your home and not just sitting there waiting for the next uh, person to pick them up. So I don't really have a ton to add. I think this makes sense, and um, you know, I guess. Who knows what's going to be the options for other people who maybe don't have, you know, these automated garage door systems, if it's going to be like some type of a, you know, larger lockbox that Amazon starts providing to Prime members or something like that, um, you know, that can sit on your front porch or whatever it may be, but I'm sure they'll come up with lots of other options besides just integrating with other technologies. So.
0: Isn't it like in some ways though, like I feel like with this kind of stuff, especially when you say lockbox that you can, you know, for prime members, you know, like it makes me, and maybe because I'm old, like like the younger folks won't even know what I'm talking about. But, you know, I remember when I was a kid, um you know we're seeing things like with grandparents generation like they they all had that little you know cold box uh sitting by their front door and you'd get milk delivered you would get you know whatever you know delivered there and it would get put there and then you would pick it up um, because all that stuff was home delivery uh, back in those days and uh, even when i was a kid we used to have this company called pop shop that made like soda uh like flavored different flavored soda and they'd come around and deliver them and all that kind of stuff and and there was, you needed somewhere to put that, right? And so, you know, I feel like we're almost kind of going full circle, right, with this kind of stuff, getting back to that, you know, sort of delivery, you know, personalized, you know, experience uh, kind of stuff. And I think, I think that's the thing, though, is I think a lot of these uh, things are, are about technology and about efficiency and about saving time. And I feel like the one thing that they need to bring back is experience um into that right in in that are there ways to build stronger human emotional connections with the people um you know at the same time that you're making it more efficient and easier so
1: yeah i mean i agree i think about the different conveniences that we have but how you know are we losing where we are rapidly losing human contact (laughs) right Um, but you know, I feel like most people kind of live in this hybrid, at least I do. So, you know, certain things, you know, maybe like my meats and my milk, I'll get delivered like Instacart. uh, I'll do some of the things that I don't like to go to like Publix or Kroger all the time because there's very few items there that I, that I buy. So, you know, I'll just do like an Instacart delivery, but, or I'll do like Butcher Box for meat sometimes, but then you have other items like, you know, Trader Joe's. I want to go there because I want to pick out my produce, and um, you know, and I like a lot. The store is pretty easy to shop. It's not huge, and the people there know me, and so it's it's an experience, right? It's not just right. Or I want to see what new wines they have or whatever, and it is more of an experience. So I think it's kind of like a hybrid for most people. But at the same time, you know, if you're having Amazon orders or you're having, you know, maybe you have a neighborhood rep who is the one who's making that daily delivery. Right. And
0: and I think that's that's what I'm getting at, right? Like I remember we used to have like the mailman that would come around and deliver the mail and you knew who he was. And, you know, the kids knew who he was and everybody had a relationship with the guy. And, you know, he was there for years and years. And then like where I live now, we don't have home mail delivery anymore we have a uh you know a, like a a street mailbox at the bottom of the street with like little slots for everybody and you go down with your key and you and you pull your mail out of your box and maybe you bump into a neighbor down there <laughs> there's no home de- like i don't get it to my actual door anymore right so
1: we still get it to our door but i know that for new communities in atlanta if you build new then you have the lockbox method as well yeah yeah. So so. anything that's like a pre-built exactly
0: so so there you go i
1: don't know who knows it'll be a hybrid yeah yeah all right well this is a less exciting and and there's probably less discussion around this but this is an acquisition story (laughs) salesforce has acquired map anything um so if you know of or don't know of map anything is based out of charlotte north carolina and they had just closed just months ago. Had closed um, another round of funding, or their latest round of funding, that had uh, brought them to nearly eighty-four million dollars that they had raised. But basically, Salesforce is going to be using Map Anything's um, their their products have have been being used through their App Exchange store, um, and they're like a ten-year-old startup, so. They've been also a Salesforce SI partner and an ISV Premier partner as well. So they've been working together with them for a long time. I think they just said, hey, like we should just buy this, you know, we're spending maybe a lot of money on the technology and we can also probably make money on the technology by embedding it and offering it, you know, with an upgraded, as an upgraded feature to many of our clients. Um, So, I mean, this is all me interjecting what my thoughts are. So they're going to help, you know, brands they do right now, they're doing things like they accurately help these brands plan on how many people they're going to need, uh, where they should put them, how to make them as productive as possible. Um, you know, what's being, they can track what's being done in real time. And they also work with, uh, companies like fleet management, uh, routing, scheduling engine, different services like that. Um, so I'm sure they will be improving those as they go forward. But, um, Map Anything has nearly 1,900 clients, so that are between Fortune 500 and Forbes Global 2,000 customers. So, I mean, solid acquisition by Salesforce. I was looking through the list of acquisitions that Salesforce has done, and it is massive. So, it is massive. Yeah, I mean, I guess what will be interesting to see now is is Map Anything done, and it's just going to be used for Salesforce's own internal um features or is it something that you know other clients are still going to be able to use externally apart from salesforce as well so time will tell but probably the former
0: (laughs) yeah so uh, you know I, i think this as you say it's a logical acquisition for them they've they've got a long-standing relationship um you know they were probably spending a lot of money on on the licenses Uh, and it just made sense to own it and, and to build and monetize on top of it and map anything is, is, you know, they're, they're a solid company like they're, you know, they've got a ton of big clients, um, in in multiple sectors, manufacturing, retail, uh, CPG, a whole bunch of things like, you know, P and G American express, you know, uh, lots just lots of big clients and, uh, you know, decent sized company I think 150 people, uh, I read and, um. Yeah, so you know, we'll see. I mean, I don't have a lot more to add to this than than what you said. I think it's a it's it's a logical fit of an acquisition, and you and I think th- for me the interesting thing is is that while Map Anything's been oriented around you know kind of uh, fleets and uh, sort of B two B type of applications, and that's kind of where Salesforce sits too. So I see a nice fit there. But I think if you were to take Map Anything and look at some of the other acquisitions that Salesforce has done, there's probably even stronger fits. Uh, between say email marketing platforms that they own or other things that could be interesting to tie together. So yeah, we'll have to kind of watch and see how that evolves. All right, our final story is about uh, Snapchat uh, going AR for the new Shazam movie that's out. So Warner Brothers and Snapchat have teamed up for a, uh, they're calling the first voice activated augmented reality lens. So this is Snapchat lenses. Um, and it's all around the new Shazam movie. Uh, so basically, Snapchat users just say, OK, Shazam, and after they open the lens and they see themselves transformed into the superhero. Um, and uh, you can also, if you don't have the, uh, that ability, you can all unlock it with a snap code that you find on billboards or on uh, murals or posters. And they've got these in Times Square in New York uh, and Hollywood Boulevard and Highland Avenue in Los Angeles and a bunch of different places. So. You no know, Shazam's a big movie. Uh, it's available in more than 20 countries, uh, including the UK, France, Mexico. I'll have to look for this and see if it's still around while I'm down there in a couple weeks. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is neat. I mean, unlike what we talked about earlier with AR, I think you have mass appeal here. You have a lot of people interested in the movie. Uh, it's not quite as big as Avengers, but it's right there. Uh, like. It's probably number two or three in terms of uh, you know movies that people are seeing right now, um, and um, you know a platform like Snapchat, especially with that demographic, uh, I think there's a good affinity between the movie, and the brand, uh, and and the age uh, demographic of people who are on Snapchat. So I can see I can see a really good fit around this. Um, and there's some, you know, sort of viral sharing pieces uh, in terms of selfies and, and things that you can take with, you know, with these images and send to your friends. So. Yeah, I I think, I think it's a good fit. I think I I like that they have the sort of the voice element of it. You know, we did talk a lot about that at Retail Loco. I know the panel that Neil, uh, Chris uh, from Moz moderated, uh, they, they, they talked about voice and kind of the power of voice. We've talked a lot about voice here. And so I I like that it's not just Google and uh, Alexa and all these guys that are embracing voice, but you see social platforms like Snapchat, you know, enabling that as well.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think the voice aspect that they're adding in and layering in here is really cool. Um, you know, I always go back to the same thing with Snapchat is like, how are they doing? How are they going to monetize? You know, it's the same, it's The it's you know, it's a broken record. So I hope that they get there. I don't know. I mean, besides... Well, like, they're
0: charging Warner Brothers a lot of money for this.
1: I'm sure they are. Yes, wow. they are. So that's what I was going to say is that I'm sure the advertising dollars are are rolling in but you know does that lead then i the good thing about about snapchat is that they should be able to have a pretty solid um attribution model for in terms of people who um you know did the the ar activated campaign and then actually went to a movie theater so
0: what would be really, really interesting, and 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 you know, if if you're listening to this, Snapchat people uh, or or Warner Brothers people out there, is I would love to see the data and happy to case study it and help push it out. You know, whatever makes sense for you guys uh, around the people who are activating these lenses, um, whether it's coming from posters or where what you know from looking at it from a geolocation perspective, where these activations are happening, and then you know, the the movie theater conversion piece around that to see if if we can correlate that data from a location, you know, moving from here, activation lens, da-da-da, to theater over there. Um, That would be fascinating. I wonder if our friends like uh, Mr. Shim would have any info on that. So we should ask. um, There you go. So that's our show uh, for this week. Uh, Three industry news stories, three member news stories. A recap of Retail Loco, Uh, put October 21st and 22nd in Atlanta on your calendars for the next one. Uh, And then, uh, oh, one other thing, Uh, we are launching a new chapter of the LBMA, uh, May the 23rd in Mexico City. So if you have partners, clients, salespeople, offices, whatever, in Mexico, reach out to us, let us know, we'd be happy to have you at the launch event. On the twenty-third, it's right in the in the heart of kind of the uh, the business district where Microsoft and Apple and, and HP, who's uh, sponsoring the event, uh, are all uh, residing. So, um, yeah, let us know May twenty-third in um, in Mexico, and uh, and the week before that, we actually have a uh, an event in the New York City chapter as well. Um, so uh, all that information's on our site. Uh, you can find it easily at thelbma.com all the information on reaching out to us if you have ideas for stories or feedback uh, is at the end of the show. So uh, thanks for listening and watching. You've been listening to episode 412 and we'll be back next week for sure with uh, another show. Um, But have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye.